One Week Season. WS fam, the nation, my dudes and dudettes, Hilo here, bringing you the intro to Underdog Theory podcast. What is the goal of this podcast? Well, the goal of this podcast is to provide a baseline from which we can build throughout the rest of the spring and the rest of the summer podcast series. Why did we set up this course, or not this course, but this package this way for the Best Ball Plus package? Well, we wanted to be able to get the most reach that we possibly could and maximize the time that we spend together. Through this kind of setup, we're able to effectively provide what equates to 60 to 90 hours of one-on-one training. Why is that important? That's important because now we can explore these higher level theories. We can look at everything from the basics, which we're going to cover a lot of here, and then expand on those things and those ideas throughout the summer. We can also start to fold into uh, the ideas of what we're trying to create through the observations that we're making as this draft cycle for the BBM4, which is going to be the primary focus of, of what we're doing here. As that matures, as that morphs, as we get more information coming in through our own observations, we can then tailor our collective or individual processes to capitalize and maximize a thing that we're going to talk a lot about um, in expected value or EV. So with that, we're going to talk about a few things here today. Again, the goal is to drive home this baseline from which that we can expand from. Um, and we're going to do that by looking at a few key elements um, with Underdog, with the BBM4, with the contest structure. And before we get into all that, I will direct everyone listening to first check out the course that I put together. Um, the Best Ball Fundamentals for BBM4 course. That is going to carry a lot of the proofs, the calculations, a lot of the stuff about what we're going to be talking about today is talked about in that course. It provides those baselines and generates some assumptions from which we can um, expand from. So with that, If you have not checked that course out, and again, that course is free to everyone that purchases the Best Ball Plus package. No matter when you purchase it, you will get that course free, and that is going to give us a very, very good, solid starting point from which to expand our exploration into underdog theory, into game theory, and with Mike into his... DraftKings theory work that we're going to be putting together this offseason. With that, let's jump into it. You know who I am. If you're new here, I'm Hilo. We are going to jump into the Intro to Underdog Theory podcast. First thing that we're going to talk about is 
roster construction baseline. What do I mean by that? There's been studies, you know, dating all the way back to after the first release of the Underdog Best Ball Mania contest back uh, three years ago. This is the fourth iteration of this. So there's been numerous studies into the EV that you can generate, the, again, EV being expected value. What is, quote unquote, theoretically optimal from a roster construction standpoint? And one of the bigger players um, to do a lot of work in this space has been Michael Leone over at Establish the Run. I did cite some of his work that he did for last year's BBM3 in the introductory course. But with that said, we've got a baseline roster construction from which to deviate. And again, this is not a hard and fast rule. This is something that provides in a vacuum, the highest expected value from a roster construction standpoint. And we need to be able to understand that and have that fundamental understanding before we can make these deviations. And we have to have a very good reason to be deviating from this because any deviation in, in game theory methodologies or really in any theory of any game that you're playing any deviation from something deemed as optimal is going to decrease your expected value over time. But there are things that we're going to talk about like deviations, um, exploitative methodologies, things that we can do to increase our expected value through the snapshot of one iteration of this contest because what does expected value calculate? Expected value is takes into account if we could run this contest or this simulation or talking about any other aspect of life, if we could do that infinitely, that's what EV takes into account. That said, that's kind of the idea of exploitation. That's the idea of deviations from optimal. But back to optimal theory. For roster construction on a best ball contest, with the governing rules that Underdog has laid out, 18 rounds uh, in each draft, optimal roster construction is two to three quarterbacks, five to six running backs, seven to nine wide receivers, and two to three tight ends. If you're familiar with my work, I played around heavily last season in the BBM3 with deviations from this optimal roster construction. We're going to get into why I did that. Again, I'll point you back to the course that I wrote. There's some stuff in there about the reasoning for those deviations, but we'll talk about more, uh, dig into that mindset and that mentality a little bit further in some of the podcasts that we're going to be doing this season. But again, two to three quarterbacks, five to six running backs, seven to nine wide receivers, and two to three tight ends. Now let's transition to kind of the the meat and potatoes of what we're trying to do through this theory, and that's guide our expected value and process these learnings into EV-guided decision-making processes. If you think about a best ball draft, what is it? It's effectively 18 separate decision nodes in an overall game tree. What the hell does that mean? That basically means that each of these draft selections that we're making 
is going to affect our path on a decision tree. For a contest as robust and borderline infinite as the BBM4, the game tree is equally robust and equally borderline infinite. You start off with your first um, decision node on the game tree, which is your first round selection. From there, you have borderline infinite paths uh, diverging from that decision point, and so on and so forth until you make 18 unique draft choices, which are all individual decision nodes. With that, what are we trying to do? We're trying to maximize our EV under the constraints that we know kind of what is optimal under the roster construction baseline that we just talked about. That said, what is important to our EV in the BBM4? Again, I'll point you back to the course that was written. I go through all the expected value breakdowns. We'll cover um, a few of those here and kind of talk about um, how those, how we arrived at those values and how we can affect those values through our decision-making uh, within each individual game tree. The biggest contributors to expected value in the BBM4 are week 17, with an expected value of $14,475.74 for every team that we advance to week 17 or the finals. The second largest contributor to expected value is week 15. So what is that? That is advancement rate. We want to be advancing as many teams as we possibly can. The Total prize pool that is allocated to advancing teams, again, for advancing to week 15, is $2,787,000, um, just a smidge over that, uh, at 120. That is the second highest individual snapshot for any round in this contest. That means that's going to be the second highest contributor to our expected value in this contest. So again, that's going to affect our decision-making process in each draft that we enter into this contest. So what is most important to us? Most important to us are week 17 and advance rate. That is really it. Nothing else matters to us. There's no such thing as optimizing for week 15 so I can get a team to week 16 and allow variance. There's no such thing as optimizing for week 16 so that I can try and get a team to week 17. We are optimizing for advancing teams out of our draft, and we are optimizing for our performance once in week 17. Really, if you boil it down to the nuts and bolts, nothing else matters to us based on the expected value of each round. We talked a little bit about deviations earlier. Why are we making deviations from something that is proven to have been optimal? Well, as we mentioned earlier, we're making these deviations because multiple factors are creating a scenario where our expected value gained from the deviation actually offsets the loss in expected value by the straying from optimal. There's a few things that I played around with last summer. Um, probably the most notable and <laughs> noteworthy, um, I'll say infamous even, because the pushback that I got on doing this was incredible, 
Um, last summer, I was toying around with three running back builds. I was toying around with one quarterback builds. I was toying around with all these different deviations from optimal roster construction. One, nobody was doing it. Two, if you effectively have identified the weakest position in its contribution to expected value, which again has been proven by Mike Leone, has been proven by other members um, around the industry to be running back, if we've identified that to be the case, then why would we build these robust running back rosters? And I know I don't like to use that nomenclature because the tokened term of robust running back implies that you're allocating early draft capital to the position. But I like to think of it strictly from the sense of roster construction and how we're building that together. You might have noticed that optimal roster construction only contained five to six running backs earlier. So that would dictate I am never going to build a roster in this contest with more than six running backs because of the effect that it has on your expected value is so great. On the same, along the same lines, we are never building four quarterback rosters or more because of the expected value that it has on both advance rate and performance in week 17. Again, those are the biggest contributing factors, the biggest driving forces to our expected value in this contest. So we are never going four quarterback, we are never going more than six running back, and we are never going more than three tight ends. That kind of gives us those guidelines, those baseline values from which to deviate. And how I chose to attack that last summer was to lighten my exposure to running backs, which effectively increases my variance. We are going to talk a lot about variance versus expected value versus exploitation versus these deviations in the rest of the podcast in this series throughout the summer. But suffice to say, there is an actionable process to creating deviations away from optimal. And again, why is that the case? Well, the re reinforcing factor in that assertion is this idea of EV. And we talked about EV takes into account an infinite um, sample size. We don't have an infinite sample size. We have a sample size of one draft window or one NFL season. So if we can do things to deviate smartly, that can increase our EV from this idea of what do I win when I get things right that, that uh, OWS faithful are, are intimately familiar with through our work in DFS. So that's this idea of EV, EV guided decisions, deviations and exploitations from optimal. We talked about earlier the expected value for a team in week 17 is far greater than any other round. Obviously, a very top-heavy payout contest. That's going to be just a truth and an assumption coming in. But what can we optimize for once we're in week 17? The, the big daddy rule them all process of optimizing our expected value in week 17 is game stacks. Game stacks increase our expected value in week 17 more than any other process that we can do through roster construction. Again, 
There's so much variance. There's so much things that go into that that are out of our control. What can we control? We can control roster construction as we're building these teams. Game stacking in week 17, a one-week contest where we have to beat 440 other teams because it's a 441-person snapshot contest, we'll call it this season. It increases our EV, game stacking does, by more than 50%. Team stacks, which is kind of where the field is likely at in this snapshot of this meta of best ball theory, team stacks increase, they do increase our expected value in the snapshot of a one week uh, contest, but it's only by about 20%, slightly less than 20%. So game stacks rule all. There's also some guidelines within that mentality that we can use as we're drafting teams. For team stacks, we don't want to stack more than two pass catchers for each quarterback. We don't want to stack more than four players for one game. So that, again, places these kind of guide rails, these guidelines from which uh, we can use that we know to be optimal. That said, in week 17, we know that the expected value for a single team advanced to week 17 is just under $14,500, $14,475.74. With that, there are 441 teams in week 17 of the BBM4, but only 50 of those are even going to realize a value higher than that expected value. So what does that mean? The top 50 teams are going to make more than the expected value of $14,475.74. Why is that the case? It's an extremely top-heavy payout structure on this contest, and it became even more top-heavy when you compare it to last year because they're now taking out 33% of the prize pool and allocating that to regular season prizes. With that being the case, we again can take these smart deviations, these smart exploitations, and utilize them in our favor. The second highest contributor to our expected value in this contest is advancing a team out of your draft. What is now the highest contributing factor to expected value of advancing a team out of your draft? It's this idea of closing line value on ADP. It rules all, it is king. It has been proven that drafting a team and maximizing your ADP value, so the the cumulative number of ADP spots that that roster beats in closing value ADP. So for example, let's take an example. You're drafting a team when this contest opens on Saturday, April 29th. ADP on Saturday, April 29th is going to be far different from when this contest closes at the beginning, the first week or week and a half in September. So maximizing closing line value takes different mentalities and methodologies throughout that draft window. That is also going to guide some of our decision-making processes as we continue spreading our exposure throughout the draft window. For example, covered in the course, but for example, closing line value is 
arguably more important to teams that are drafted early in the draft window because that is the time in the draft window where you have the opportunity to maximize that edge. That changes as we get more iterations of these drafts, as more and more teams are drafted, ADP is going to get more fine-tuned and more um, optimized. As that happens, we have less and less opportunity to maximize closing line value on ADP. With that said, our strategy should change in each snapshot of that draft window. Early on in the draft, we need to be looking for the exploitative methodologies that can lead us to teams that maximize closing line value on ADP. Because again, the highest contributing factor to an increase in expected value for advancing a team in this contest is closing line value on ADP. Also, in the same vein, the regular season prize pool is now worth 33% of the entire prize pool in this contest. The highest contributing factor to a cumulative expected value in a cumulative contest, which now the regular season prizes becomes because it's effectively a summation of all the points scored in the first 14 weeks of the NFL season. So the highest contributing factor to a contest like that the expected value in a contest like that is closing line value on ADP. Let's talk about EV on this um, snapshot of the first 14 weeks. So the regular season or um, the league phase of this contest, the expected value on every entry that you place into this contest now is given like a starting value of $7.38 in expected value and that is based on the $5 million prize pool that is allocated to the regular season participants, which is every draft or every entry into this contest. So we go into each contest, each draft, knowing that each draft we put into the contest, each entry has a starting off expected value of $7.38. That said, only 1.48% of every entry is going to win a regular season prize. Again, extremely top heavy. We now have a top prize of $500,000 and paying out 10,000 teams with a minimum prize of $250. So that is a significant contributing factor to our expected value in this contest. That said, the expected value of advancing a team to week 15, so out of your draft, is 3.35 times more important or stronger or more than the regular season expected value of $7.38. The true expected value of a team advanced to week 15 is $24.69. So all these things come together to drive with this like fundamental understanding of what can I expect out of this contest? Why, where is my money going? How is it being um, realized after I place a, everything from a single entry into this contest to maxing it out at 150 entries? Those are the baseline numbers. That is the understanding and that is the reasoning why week 17 still reigns supreme. We need to be optimizing for that 
round in this contest, but we have this additional bump to expected value through the regular season prizes and through the payout structure that places additional emphasis on advancing a team into round two or week 15. Again, that brings us back to closing line value and optimizing for week 17 versus, or via, I should say, the methodologies that are discussed in the uh, fundamental core for the Best Ball Plus course that was released. With that fundamental understanding, let's take a look at some of the podcasts that we're going to be doing this uh, for the rest of the spring and into the summer for this Best Ball Plus podcast. Every Monday, we will have a 30 to 45 minute update slash reaction podcast with myself and Mike Johnson, who is going to be the primary DraftKings contributor to this package. We will cover, we will start that off by covering um, reactions to the NFL draft on the first Monday, May 1st, uh, after the NFL draft. That will continue throughout the offseason. And we basically have, from the end of the NFL draft to the start of the regular season, we have 18 weeks. And you can expect a, an update reaction podcast with Mike and myself every Monday for 30 to 45 minutes. Every Tuesday, Mike is going to be bringing the heat with DraftKings specific theory podcasts. Those are going to run anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour, and those will be released every Tuesday. I will follow that up every Wednesday with underdog specific theory podcasts. Again, those will run anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, and those are really the meat and potatoes of our one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. Every Thursday, we will release a game theory specific podcast that I will be um, taking on. I will be bringing in random guests throughout the off season as well, uh, throughout the draft season and the draft window. Um, but it was primarily going to be me and we are going to jump into the higher level game theoretic methodologies um, that have basically guided my exploration into best ball theory um, over the last four seasons. Those will be released every Thursday, like we talked about. Those will be anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes as well. On Friday, that is going to be our industry experts podcast time slot. That is going to be industry experts jumping on a, pod, a video cast. Those are going to be completely free. Those are going to either be streamed, recorded, or placed onto YouTube for all to see. And those are going to be, again, industry experts, and those are going to be anywhere between 45 minutes and 60 minutes every Friday. We'll take the weekend off from our podcast schedule, and we'll be right back at it, getting into it the following Monday with the Reaction Podcast. That's a look at kind of what we're going to be doing through the timeline or the, I guess, the maturation of this best ball package. Again, we have 18 weeks to work with. That effectively translates to 90 individual sessions, and we're going to maximize the outreach and what we can affect on our decision-making processes in these best ball contests through that medium. With that, I am Hilo. You know where to find me on Twitter at HiloFF. 
you know where to find me in them streets. And if you ever have any questions, please reach out or don't hesitate to reach out on Twitter. Don't hesitate to reach out on Discord, the OWS Discord. You can always find me hanging out in there. And we will see you in the lobbies. We will see you in the Best Ball Plus package. And we will see you at the top of the leaderboards at the end of the season.